Now, if y'all see me up here shaking like a willow tree, it ain't because I'm nervous. I've got this neurological thing going on that's been going on for a lot of years, but the Lord's taking care of it. I don't, I don't worry about it a whole lot. I do, uh, at times, search for my words more than I used to, and I just pray that tonight I don't be doing a lot of searching. I'm going to make a couple of brief announcements this evening. Number one is that my wife would get upset if I didn't tell y'all folk about this. Tomorrow, the ladies' meeting is going to be going on. All right? And I look out here, and, and most of you ladies are the ladies that go to the ladies' meeting, so there'll be a a good crowd of uh, ladies up there at the ladies meeting. And then the other announcement is on the 24th and the 25th. That's uh, real close. It's, it's coming weekend, next weekend. Yeah, next Saturday and Sunday, uh, Brother Phipps and Brother Epps will be here. Uh, the Epps and Phipps duo. i tell you what, the... I remember hearing them uh, in last year or year before in Jubilee and amazing messages. Tonight I'm uh, going to be teaching. Preacher told me to teach. Uh, I guess he's smarter than I am. He knew that I probably couldn't preach. So he said, you teach. I said, okay. I uh, wasn't aware that I was going to. He just arbitrarily told me and I guess the Lord says be instant in season out of season so here I am I was thought about what I was going to teach on and I decided that I would take some of the things that I was would have normally preached on and put them with what I was going to teach on because there's a thin line between teaching and preaching I've never been anywhere where there was good, solid preaching going on what what I didn't learn something. And uh, tonight, I, I, I want to give you an insight to where I'm at. In John 1, 1, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, in my mind, I've often wondered, where was God before that? And then I, I realized that there's nothing ever been created or ever made but what God didn't have a hand in it. So you think back, even before God created man, he's there in heaven. He and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit all as a triune God. And I, I thought about that oftentimes. I just wonder how lonely would God have been to create the angels. An omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient God created all the angels, knowing that a third of them would be departing and going with Lucifer. 
and yet he created them to worship him and praise him. That's what the scripture says, that the angels were created to worship and praise the Lord. You know, I didn't find in there where they were to loving. I found in there that they were to worshiping and to praising. Now, how lonely must God have been after that happened to create man? You and I. How lonely must God have been to have taken that clump of clay and molded it and made man? How lonely did God have to be knowing that shortly after he created man that man would fall in the Garden of Eden? Lonely after that, how lonely would God have to have been to know that after that short period of time, He'd have to destroy the entire earth by a flood and start all over again. Eight individuals to regenerate the earth. How lonely must God have been to reach out and give Moses the tablets that he gave Moses, the law, for men to live by knowing that it ain't going to happen. Knowing that we're born with a sin nature that men will not live by the law, but he gave Moses those tablets. How lonely must God have been to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross? Knowing even that won't satisfy a whole lot of people. We're living in a generation where you and I, we look around and we say we love the Lord. And I believe with all my heart this crowd here tonight loves the Lord. You know, I think back as a 10-year-old boy, this boy loved the Lord sitting on that old coal bucket when the Lord saved me. This old boy loved the Lord as a 12-year-old boy when my daddy had a massive stroke and it killed him that night. This boy loved the Lord when my mother, and I was at the age of 15, she had a, a massive coronary, and it killed her. This boy loved the Lord when I was living under a railroad track in a culvert between the time I was 15 and, and 17, before I could find a home. I was homeless. This boy loved the Lord. Now, you think about it. All those calamities come about and yet I still love the Lord and then the Lord was good to me and he gave me a wife we've been married 52 years amen, amen to that too brother I say amen I don't know how she put up with me for 52 years but the Lord gave me her and I, I love the Lord then and this boy loved the Lord when 
My son was born, my firstborn. This boy loved the Lord. But then my second son was born. And this man loved the Lord. I'll never forget the day they brought David out. Cutest little baby you ever saw in all your life. He was wrapped up. All I could see was his head. And the nurse said, he's got several problems. And she began to describe the problems. And I said, well, how do you know that? And David, I don't mean to embarrass you, and I, I wouldn't for the world, and I, I know that you don't care that I tell this, but she turned him over, and on his back there was a sack about that big where the nerves and the vertebrae had grown this way, and they grew out that way instead of this way. And the doctors, they told us, you should just uh, let him die naturally. But you know, this boy loved the Lord enough that I said, Lord, I, I can't do that. I said, if you'll just, I looked over, I remember sitting in the hospital like it was yesterday, and I looked over at this boy sitting in a wheelchair, and I said, Lord, if you can just give me a son like that, that'll love you like I love you, that'll love me like I love you. The Lord said, you got it. This boy loved the Lord then. There was all kinds of calamities over the 52 years that the wife and I have been married, the 60 years that I've been saved. But you know, this boy loved the Lord. You say, what's that got to do with teaching anything tonight? Well, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 14. I want you to realize what it's like to love the Lord. I'm going to be talking tonight about some things about excuses. Excuses that we make in our lives. When I taught the soul winning class two Saturdays ago, Sister Mandy, I believe it was, asked, well, how do you answer all these excuses that people give you? And brother, they can give you a lot of excuses. They can give you excuses after excuses after excuses. Let's read together, beginning in verse 15. Now, The Lord was having dinner with the lawyers and the Pharisees. And they wanted to trap the Lord Jesus Christ in, in some kind of legalistic way. And it says, 
And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't believe that old boy meant that at all. I don't believe that he meant blessed is he that eateth bread in the kingdom of God. I believe that he was just testing the Lord. So the Lord gave him a parable. Now, you know, I think about a parable. It's sort of like a riddle or a crossword puzzle. It's something that we're given that we can figure things out. So tonight I want to figure out what this message was in this parable. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Now we're living in a world now where a whole lot of people's been invited to a whole lot of things in the house of God. So many have been bidden or invited to come. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And boy, you know, when I think about that little statement, all things are now ready. I see the glories of heaven where there's those golden plates as far as you can see on that table. It's not scriptural. I see it. There's those golden goblets that as far as you can see just waiting to be filled. And I'm not so sure that they're not even filled today. I believe that the Lord's ready to light those candles along that way and take us all home. I believe with all my heart that the Lord is ready for his church to come home. He said he sent his servant at supper time. It is supper time. And he said unto them that were bidden come for all things are now ready. And here's the crust of my teaching tonight. And they all, every one of them, with one consent, began to make excuse. I call this little teaching dumb, dumb, and dumber. All right? The first dumb thing is... The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. I pray thee have me excused. Now, I don't know where you're from, but I've never seen a piece of ground get up and move that I couldn't go see it at another time. This was not an excuse Because an excuse never satisfies anyone except the one making it. And we've been, I, I've often heard that an excuse is an ounce of reason wrapped in a lie. Now there's a lot of reasons people can't do things that they want to do for the glory of God, but those are reasons. This is just a silly, dumb excuse 
because he didn't want to go to the supper. And today, there's a lot of excuses being made when you go and knock on doors or you invite somebody to the house of God. They'll have a lot of excuses. And I've got in the back of my Bible, I don't know, 40 or 50 of those excuses with Scripture behind them that I gave it to Sister Mandy. I don't know, had 20 or so on it. I'd written down the excuses because she had asked in the soul winning class and we got a little sidetracked uh, talking about the Church of God, Church of Christ, and uh, we didn't get around to the excuses that she was wanting, so I just made her a list of those excuses that, that I've collected over the years, and I, I gave it to her. So tonight I'm going to give us some excuses. Have you ever heard this one? I'm a Christian. I go to church. That's not going to get it, folks. That's not going to do anything for the individual that's out there. He may consider himself a Christian. He may consider himself a good person because he goes to church. But John tells us in 14.6 when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So this first excuse we see, it just doesn't hold water. As we read along down through here, I want to really get through all of this. He had a piece of ground and he said, I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. The second excuse that, that is so common and so prevalent today is not now, maybe someday. Well, the rich man in hell, he put it off. The Lord tells us to, in Proverbs, to boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Now, is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. That's not going to change. And yet this fella, I'll call him dumb. He's the second dumb. He said, I bought these five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. Well, Brother Bailey will tell you, he ain't going to buy no five pieces of cattle and not know what he's buying. If if he can if he can help it, he won't do it. Sometimes sometimes you can't help it. it looks are deceiving. But this fellow said I I got five yoke of oxen. I gotta go prove them. 
I got to make it sure that they're all right. So we've got dumb and dumb. And now we'll go a little further and you'll see what I call dumber. Dumber, 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 dumber. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Well, you know, I, he's probably the honest, most honest out of the bunch. He didn't offer up an excuse. He just offered up a lie. He said, I cannot come. Well, he could if he wanted to. People in this world today, they can come if they want to. You knock on a door and you witness to somebody and they'll tell you 15 reasons why they can't come or why they won't come. Brother Prophet and I, we went to a house, it's about the last, right before COVID, we went and knocked on a man's door and that man told us, after we talked with him a little bit, he told us, I meet with God in my garden. His excuse was, I meet with the Lord in my garden. Well, since then, the garden has come and gone. I went back and I talked to him and he gave me another excuse. He said, now listen, you've heard this one too. Well, you look for me on Sunday, you might be surprised. You heard that one? He went from lying to giving me an excuse. I'd rather man just look at me and say, I'm not coming. I'd rather man look at me and be honest and say, I've married a wife, I can't be there. These uh, excuses that men use to not do the things that God would have them to do. Mr. Dumb and Dumb and Dumber. So as we read along, we'll find out that that servant came and he showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry. Underline that. Underscore it. Take note of it. The master was angry. Folk, God ain't playing around. We're not here playing church. God has a specific reason for man. Man was created to not only love the Lord, but to worship the Lord, to fellowship with the Lord. And yet, the angels can't do that. We can. And we're not going to do it because of the simple fact that we have so many excuses that we can throw out there. 
it's it's unreal some of the stupid things and silly things that people have to say about this. Sister Marla asked me a question after soul went class. She said someone that she had talked to, uh, it might be a relative, I don't know this remember the whole story. I just know that there was someone who addressed the fact that I'm just too mean. God can't save me. The things that I've done in my past, it just won't work. He, he can't save me. It, it, he just can't do it. It's impossible. But the Bible tells us all things are possible with God. Amen. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Timothy, uh, I believe it's 1 Timothy. I want to get this right. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said, I'm the chief. I'm top dog. He said, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I, I was insulting, I, I did all these things to Christians. I even crucified them, I, I murdered them. Paul had done all of these things, and yet he said, I did it ignorantly in my unbelief. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going to be said. But yet, after he found the Lord, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause, hold on, my page is stuck. For this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. He just waited. He waited until the time was right and he said, Paul, you're on that Damascus road. I'll blind you. I'll make you at my total mercy and you'll receive the gifts that I'm about to give you. He said that for a pattern to them that's what should hereafter believe on him in everlasting life. The only reason he did it that way was that you and I would understand the meaning of salvation even for the most vile and most wicked that Jesus Christ died and bled on Calvary's cross for that person. It's real simple. It's not rocket science, folks. This is truths from the Bible. It's, it's 
answer after answer after answer to every excuse that is ever made. My father-in-law, bless his heart, when he died, Brother Jerry Patton did his funeral. He's buried up here at Ollie Cemetery. And this is the truth. The man had a probably a six to eight thousand dollar tombstone with his name on there and the date of birth, but the death wasn't there. Beautiful marker. And yet when he died, they put him in one of those pauper boxes. Have you ever seen them? A little plywood here, plywood here, plywood here, plywood on top. They asked me to be a pallbearer. I grabbed one corner. Brother Jerry grabbed one. That's how many people was there. Another fellow who had known Chester for many years. He was on one corner, and I, I'm not sure who was on the other corner, but I remember picking that up thinking, Lord, don't let the bottom fall out of this thing. Just stapled together. Nothing fancy, just an old pauper's box. And I'll never forget what that man, that third man said about Chester. He said, uh, I saw Chester recently, and I tried to tell him about the Lord. And I asked him, I said, Chester, are you saved? And his answer was, well, I'm working on it. There's you an ounce of reason wrapped in a lie. He wasn't no more working on it than, than I, I'm sitting on the back row right now. Just an excuse to get the man to say, okay, I'll go away. Excuses are a dime a dozen. But the truth of all these excuses are real simple. They're right here in this old 1611 King James Bible. Every excuse you come up with, God's got an answer for it in there. Every one of them. Chester said, I'm working on it. The old excuse, I'll do it my way. Yeah, well, how's that working for him? I'll do it my way. Well, my way ain't going to get you nowhere. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm right. Verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, 
we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. You see, there's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. I think about all the ways that we go through life, the excuses that we give, oh, dumb and dumber. Let's go back to Luke 14. I've given you the negative part of this. I want you to have some good things to go home with. After Dummer says, I've married a wife, I cannot come. So that servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then he, the master of the house being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly. It's expedient. We need to be going out quickly, doing the things that God would have us to do. You know, I didn't appreciate that back when I was 30 years old. But now that I'm 70 and an old man, and time's very precious. And when God says, you do it quickly, you go ahead and do it. You don't wait. He said, go out quickly unto the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Here's the positive part of this message. There's three types of people there. There's the poor, the maimed and the halt, and the blind. Now, let's don't get this mixed up here. The master told him to go out and bring in hither the poor. He's not talking about money. He's talking about those that are weak, poor in the, in the spirit of the Lord. They're weak. I remember as a kid... I had a neighbor, I'd ask her, how you doing? She said, I'm right poorly today. That's the kind of poor that the master was talking about here. Poorly. Bring in the poor. Now I call them the smart folks. You say, how come? Because the Lord said the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So go out and get the weak. And then he said the maimed and the halt. That's those that are broken. Not only broken of the spirit, but actually crippled. Crippled in their walk with God. Crippled in their testimony. Crippled in the things that God has for them. I call them smarter. 
And then he said, and the blind. That's the smartest bunch of all. As we look at this, I, I want you to see these three things. Leviticus 22 tells us that they're to have nothing to do when they bring those lamb before the slaughter as an offer of sacrifice with the maimed and the halt and the blind. They're not worthy. <laughs> but the Lord here is telling these lawyers and the Pharisees, nah, 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 nah. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I'm going to bring those folk to the house of God. I'm not just seeking those that we of approval. I'm going to seek the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. We've already talked about being poorly, weak, not strong in the Lord. And that doesn't apply to this crowd tonight. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I might be reminding you of some things, but I'm not telling you anything you didn't already know. And when I talk about the maim and the halt, uh, many of us have been crippled and we become broken in the things of God. Brother Jack, uh, he's not here. And I'm not talking out of school. He's a broken man. He's broken because God broke him. I myself went for many years out of the house of God. And God broke me. But you know, during all that time of when he broke me, I still loved the Lord. I loved him then. I love him now because of one simple reason. He loved me first. God loved me. And you talk about the blind. Boy, I could stand here all day and talk about the blind in this world. That's the smartest crowd of all. If you've been blinded by the things of the world and the tinsel of the world and the sparkle and the glitter of the world, and then you become where you can see the things of God, it don't get no better than that. It don't get no better than being healed of that type of blindness. I don't believe the Lord was talking about the physically blind here. I don't believe he's talking about the physically lame and crippled and broken. I don't believe he was talking about those that are weak and poor in their spirit. I believe he was just talking about you and I in general. And how much would God look down and say, 
How lonely must he have been? How lonely must God have been to create man knowing that it would end up like this? Knowing that a population that we have in the world today would reject the word of God that it took men some 1,500 years to write, where there's no variance in there, there's no contradiction in there, there's no error in there. Over 1,500 year period, God wrote that book through those men. And God knew that when he created man to love him, to worship him, to live for him. And yet, in the society we're in today, the truth is, this house ought to be filled. It ought to be filled. It is on Sunday morning. I don't mean to offend nobody, but they all, with one consent, be made the excuse for a denied, didn't they? We've got a big excuse out there hanging over our head right now. It's been hanging there for over a year. COVID. COVID. I'm so sick of hearing the word COVID. I mean, it's real, Brother Caleb. You know and I know. Bless your heart. Love you. COVID is a real thing. But so is the influenza. So is tuberculosis back when I was younger. So was polio back in its day. So was the Spanish flu. These were all real things. And yet, during that time in the Spanish flu, they didn't take that as an excuse to stay away from the house of God. They used it as an excuse to go to the house of God. And yet today, we're living in a society that says, I can't go, I'll catch COVID. They're blinded. Blinded. But you and I, we're here tonight because we're the smartest of the crowd. We may have been blinded at one time, but the Lord came and cleaned our old heart up and squeezed them old juices up through here and washed them tears out your eyes and you can see again. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in this world I'd rather do than serve God. I was hoping TJ would be here tonight. I know the preachers talked about it a couple of times. TJ gave a testimony, and folk, I would that you all could have heard it. Up there on the hill, in that soul winning class, after all the excuses are exalted, what do you do? After they've all been exhausted, what do you do? I mean, you've given them answer after answer after answer, scripture after scripture after scripture, telling them exactly what God says about those things that they've 
excuse themselves from? What do you do after that? TJ had the ultimate answer. Well, I tell you about TJ's answer. I know all of you have probably heard it by now. But look with me in 1 Corinthians. TJ said, real simply, after all the excuses are being made, and after man has tried everything they could try to avoid the confrontation that might come from accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord, not even a a matter of salvation, but the matter of just coming to the house of God. They'll give you excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And after you give them all the scripture and all the things and you pour your heart out to them, TJ stood up and said, the answer's simple. You tell them about them nails. Them nails that was placed in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell them about them scars and about the blood that ran down his brow. You tell them about that cross that he carried up Calvary. You preach the cross to them. And Paul tells the church at Corinth in chapter 1 and verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, this is the power of God unto salvation. Bless her heart. Timing's perfect. TJ, come up here, will you? You got to love this. God's in this. I didn't do it. I'm so glad that you got over here. Preachers talked about this, I know, two occasions after soul winning class. TJ, tell these folk what you told them people. Um, So we were talking about if uh, their works can get them to heaven. And I said, when you get to heaven, I was like, you believe Jesus is God, right? I said, yeah. You believe he died on the cross for you, for your sins. Yeah. But we also have to do a lot of work down here to get there as well. Amen. And I said, well, when I get up there, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be able yes. to look at those hands. Yes. Look at that thief and look at him and say, I know you're God, but you wasn't enough to get me here. Amen. That I had to do something too. And... That was it. And they were just like, hmm. You know, they didn't really say anything after I said that. So, that's what it was. Bless your heart. And and see, it wasn't what she said. It was what she was talking about. The preaching of the cross. Telling folks about Jesus. 
Now I'm going to give you this last thing and then I'll close. Go back to Luke chapter 14 with me, please. And Brother Caleb, I'm so appreciative of the fact you was here tonight to lead the singing. I can't sing. I can't preach anymore. I, I stumble and stammer over my words. But I love the Lord. I want you to see what happened to dumb and dumber. What happened to dumb, dumb, and dumber. Luke chapter 14 and verse 24. For I say unto you that none, no, not one, none of those that were bidden shall taste of my supper. None of them. They come up with excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse and they'll not be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. They'll never happen. They'll never be there. I told you that'd be the end of it. But the truth is, it's only the beginning. We as God's people... We can make all kinds of excuses as to why we don't do something that God's called us to do. We can make all kinds of excuses and they never satisfy anyone except those that are making the excuse. We can make all kinds of excuses We're only fooling ourselves. I pray that tonight you'll excuse my stammering and stutters. That's not an excuse. That's a reason. There's folk at home tonight watching online, I hope. By reason, they couldn't be here tonight. But I'll guarantee you there's some folk out there that could have been here, but they had an excuse as to why they're not here. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you.